Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Malachi chapter 4. That's a new song for us here. My wife and I, when we were in Kentucky, they, at Dr. Bob Rogers' church, we had a conference over there, prophetic conference, and um, I wasn't speaking this one night, and they had blown that, they blew the church up with that song, and they had this incredible choir, and uh, so I came in early and listened to the practice and was just lost my mind in the presence of God, and so I said to the choir director, I said, would you mind if I just got up in the choir? He said, oh, come on, pastor. So... We got up in there, and I can't remember if I had a robe on, but if I didn't, I felt like I did. And we just had an amazing time of worship. How many of you love worshiping God? Wonderful, good to be in his presence with you. Malachi chapter 4, and I want you to find verse 5. Malachi 4, verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come strike the earth with a curse. Let's pray. Father, move in power. Amen. You may be seated. Come on. We all prayed up and worshiped up. We're like ready. Last week, I preached on the uh, seven ways to bind demon power and to loose victory and freedom. And uh, it's not my own message. It's a life message from Dr. James Morocco, my pastor, our a global pastor, and uh, it's, it's a life message, meaning it's one of his main messages God has given him for his life. And if you don't understand that, that text, and if you don't understand that message, then you will not understand much of what happens here and the way in which we pray and how God leads us and guides us and why we do what we do. So I would encourage you to go ahead and get that. It's on Spotify. It's on Facebook. It's on YouTube. It's on the broadcast, the, the web stream. It's, it's everywhere we can get that thing up. You, you be a part of that. Listen to it. Listen to it again. Any message that's worth listening to once is worth listening to more than once. And I've found that just like a coach would go take you through calisthenics over and over and over, drills over and over and over. I mean, no matter what you do, for those of you that practice uh, marksmanship, you know, learning a, getting a neural path, so that you can draw, so that you, your draw is the same all the time. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? The sa- listen, the same is true in football, baseball, wrestling. The same is true. Wrestling, we had to practice over and over, shooting that, getting your double leg takedown, shooting your single leg takedown. You had to practice so you, you didn't do what's called it. in lacrosse. I had a problem. It was called I would telegraph my shot. And what that is is if you learn to shoot in lacrosse, it's a North American a Native American game, and it's a hard rubber ball, and, a, and a, it's kind of like high lie, but a little bit different, and you have this shaft on a stick, and you cradle this ball in a small little pocket, and you can throw a ball over 100 miles an hour, so I, I, I was decent at the game. I'd played most of my life, but I had this problem. It was called, I, was, I telegraphed, and this can happen in all kinds of shooting sports. You have a certain look you get right before you shoot, and that indicates to the goalie or those defending you, oh, he's going to shoot. So I, I'd, I'd run, I'd, I'd, I'd do this little thing. I'd, I'd telegraph with my stick a little bit right before I would shoot, and every time I did it, the teams that knew me knew I had a real hard shot, and they knew, huh, he's going to shoot now. Yeah. <laughs> so you, I had to practice to break that thing. 
I had to practice with my left hand. They said, if you don't play as good with your left as you do with your right, or if you're a lefty with your, with your right as good as your left, then you're never going to be really good at the game. So I, would, I slept with my lacrosse stick. Some of, you don't, some of you don't have the word in you like that, and you think that you're going to go be some spiritual champion. Now, I'm preaching better than your amen. Some of, you, some of you don't have the word in like that, and you're not aggressively taking down. Would you sh- shut those doors for me, oh, anointed cherubim? <laughs> Minister Micah. You led worship, brother. I enjoyed that. That was great. Amen. Wonderful. So, you know, you're going to tear something down and move into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God's power, and get beyond that, that stronghold, that mindset, that habit. You're going to get past that telegraph, that sin you have. You're going to have to work at it. It doesn't just, I love when God's sovereignty, boom, he hits you, and they're like, you don't struggle anymore. Hallelujah for that. Come on, somebody ought to say praise the Lord. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? But the other things, you have to, you have to train yourself to learn to, to overcome. And you have to, you have to, like a spiritual athlete, set the word in there. And the psalmist said, he's trained my hands for war. Can you say amen? Okay, do, do you all understand? If you don't understand, just to, I'll, go, I'll, I'll go on a little bit longer because I want you to get it. Because if, if you don't get the wrinkled places out of your life, then you know, you're going to have babies before you get married. Not feeling the love right now. Then, then, then you'll never tithe because you just can't embrace that spirit of greed. That you, you just can't overcome that spirit of greed, and then you'll just be broke all your life, or you'll live under the curse. Pastor Karen, did I offend you? <laughs> She's like, no, but now you did. <laughs> I love you, sweetheart. You're awesome. <laughs> Where are you going with this? Well, listen to that message and, and apply it to your life. And as I was praying, wrestling of sorts with the Lord about what to preach to you tonight, I felt like the Lord began to speak to me and, and say this. And it's, man, it is a convicting, it's a convicting thing. You can go to church every day of the week. You read your Bible, stay in the Bible plan, and we got a great Bible plan. Get in it. Amen. Read it. You can memorize God's word. But if it doesn't go deep down into the city of your soul and change the way that you think, then you're just becoming more of a religious person. And then furthermore, now here's gonna, this, this part's going to hurt. You can, you can pray in tongues, and you can pray and do all of the stuff. But if you, if you don't bring that into your personal life in your walk with your children your spouse, then you will wreak havoc and you'll call yourself a Christian, but you will live far beneath the call of God and your children. Your children will end up hating the Lord. No, I've seen it. You know, pastor's kids are usually the worst. You know that. Now I can say that mine aren't by the grace of God. Well, I'll tell you why I think pastor's kids are usually the worst, although I have taken some surveys. I can't speak for all. But many times when there's contradiction in the home, so somebody says, live for God, live, love Jesus, do that, and you go home and you're a mean dog, you're a mean cuss, 
and you're controlling and manipulative and you're angry and you lie and you do all that stuff in the, con- in the confines of your home and your kids get to see that, you think they're going to serve God? They ain't going to serve God. They don't want anything to do with your, your hypocrisy. I want to talk about parenthood, and I, I, maybe I should have saved this for a, a Sunday night, but I didn't. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it now. And about being a father. Now, I can't talk much about being a mother because I'm a man. And uh, Pastor Karen, she'll share it at another time. But there are some transforming principles of being a father that if you don't learn them, you might end up having a prison ministry. And if you don't learn how to be a good father, and by the way, there is a fatherless epidemic all over the earth. And if you don't learn how to be a good father, you're going to have a lot of pain later on in your life. And even still, we need to pray for our kids and, and even fast and not only model it, but, but we need to stay on the wall. Can you say amen? And then, and then kids got to make their own decision in the end. So there's truths of fatherhood. There's truths, and I want to give to you some of these. Twelve principles, and I'm not going to preach to you real long. So if we don't get through them all, maybe we'll just continue. Twelve principles. The first principle is relationship building. As a father, and you can apply it as a mother as well, but I'm a father, I'm a spiritual father to hundreds, and I'm a father to my own children, two of them at least, and one day I'll be able to be a father to my other two, just biological for right now. But just in case they see this message, we want you. Can't wait till you're in our lives. One day there'll be restoration. And uh, if you haven't heard it before, forgive me. We look forward to getting to know you. Twelve principles, building relationship. Leadership works best when it's in relationship. Not authoritarian. Not a dictator. Not somebody who's just like, my, my way or the stinking highway. Now, there, is, there does come the my way, the highway principle. That, that, that does also exist. But you have to have relationship with people as a, as a, as a, as a human being. You've got to be in relationship. And you have to be, a, it's really friendship-based leadership. Everybody say that. Friendship-based leadership or relationship-based leadership. Be in relationship with people. Be in relationship with your kids. Fathers, get to know your sons. Get to know them. There's no substitute for that. Cultivate, cultivating a relationship is like cultivating a garden. I know some of your tomato plants are starting to grow. Are you cultivating? You've got to go and water them. It's an interesting thing. We have, this, we have this Christmas cactus that is, it's a miracle that it exists, actually, because it's overcome incredible seasons of drought and famine. <laughs> and it just, like, comes back. It's like a, we should call it the re- resurrection plant. And uh, my wife wants me to get rid of it because half of it's died, and it's really my plan, okay? And I, I've not done such a good job of tending. Relationships are like that. You have to tend them. You have to care for them. You have to, like a plant, you have to water it. You have to feed it. And, you know, this particular plant was, uh, you know, in the back corner near some cold windows, and it just didn't seem to do so well. And in the, in the fray of ministry and life, it'd be like, you know, I'd be praying, then suddenly realize there's something green turning brown in the back. What is that? Oh, my plant, you know. So I go and water it and try to help it out. We moved it closer to the door, which is Pastor Karen's attempt to get it into the trash can. It's a little bit closer to being thrown out. And, um, and so it's there. And it really is not doing well at all. And uh, she says, can we throw it out 
I said, yes. We, I mean, it doesn't look real. It, it, it doesn't exactly beautify the home right now. So she puts it, she takes it, she puts it near the kitchen trash can, which Daniel, my son, and I am responsible for. Mostly him, but I help also. Hallelujah. I used to do it all. Now I have a relationship with my son where he does it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Somebody said, hey, you got, a, you got an automatic car charger? Yeah, I do. 17 years old. Daddy, let's start my truck. <laughs> I think kids should do stuff. Anyway, so she moved it to the trash can. And it's coming back to life. And I think it's coming back to life because it's not freezing half the time when the doors open and close all the time. Listen, relationships are like that. Lead from a, from a place of relationship. Care for people. Care for your sons. Care for, cultivate it. There's no son, you know how kids spell time? T? I mean, yeah, sorry. <laughs> of course. They spell time, T-I-M-E. How do you spell it, Pastor? I spell it L-O-V-E. Oops. How do, you, how do kids spell love? T. T I M A. You guys are paying attention now. All right. Kids spell love time. If you, you say your kids, you say to your children, you say to your spouse, you say to, to, to friends and people that you're, that you're mentoring, perhaps, that you love and care for them, but you spend no time with them. Well, that would be, um, that would be false. You say to God that you love him and you spend no time with him. Oh, snap. Spend no time in his word. Spend no time in prayer. Quit going to church. We better move on. There really is no substitute for cultivating relationships with time. Undivided attention. Oh, gosh, I've had challenges with that. Undivided attention. And my wife's helped me amazingly. Men have a tendency to have a little bit more challenges listening from what they tell me. So Pastor Karen will say, your father can't hear you right now. And usually when she says that, I'm like, what? <laughs> so principles on, on fatherhood, principles on being a spiritual father, uh, a good father to your children. Look, these are principles on being a good mother too. Commitment. Regularly verbalize your long-term undivided commitment that would never sway. Verbalize your commitment to your kids. Verbalize, listen, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not moving. As your pastor, I'm not leaving. Some of you are like, maybe hope that I'm going to move, but I've got news for you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying. God called me here. We're going to build the church. We're going to fill the church, and we'll build other churches and plant churches all over the world. I'll be 120 before I go in full strength on to glory. Can you say Hallelujah. Yeah, I, 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 why do you say that? Because it's important to know. I bought a house here, and I'll buy another one if I can. I'm a, come on, God's blessing me, prospering me. I'm, in, I, I'm here to stay. Is there anybody else here to stay? God called me here. Now, God might call you somewhere else, but the point is you be committed to God, and you constantly verbalize your commitment. You know, my, my kids, uh, especially Hannah now, she's in college, and she's you know, got friends that are divorced, and I know divorce, there's reasons for divorce, and there's some good reasons for divorce. My children know unequivocally, without a shadow of a doubt, that we, Pastor Karen and I, will never, ever be divorced. Why is that? Because we're never going to be divorced. How come? Because we will never divorce. Why is that? Because we're going to love each other. And, 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 and still yet, till, till, I met my vows. Thank you. I met my vows. Did you mean yours? 
All right, and again, I understand. Listen, I, I have been divorced. I was divorced when I was a lot younger. <laughs> uh, Jesus, how old was I? I think I was 23. I think I got divorced at 23. Married at 21, divorced at 23. 21, I just knew I knew more than everybody and uh, had everything going on, and the whole world owed me everything, and I was the most handsome man on the face of the earth. So everything was going great for me at 21, 23, crashing into a very painful reality. Commitment. Regularly verbalize your commitment. I, t- I tell my wife, I'll never leave you. I love you all of your life, you know. And my kids know that. You need to tell your kids that. I told, I told my kids, you'll always have a home here. You'll always be able to come home. You'll always be able to come here. You'll never have need of anything ever, so long as I'm alive and God's on the throne, which is forever, because I'm going to live forever, and he's always going to be on the throne. And I told, I told, my, I told my daughter, I, and the Lord told me to tell my daughter this. Now, you might think this is crazy, but, but if, you, if you, abide in him, you abide in the Lord, right, this is scripture, you abide in him, he'll give you whatever you ask for. How many of you know that? If you ask anything in his name, he will, he'll do it, right? So I, the Lord told me to tell my daughter, tell her that. I said, okay, listen, just want to let you know, if you ever need anything, any amount of money, you need anything ever, just ask, and I'll do it. That's if it's in his name, amen? <laughs> and I can tell you, you can call me El Shaddad from now on. Listen, your children, your wife, your, your husband, people shouldn't be guessing whether it's going to be okay and walk on eggshells or like, you know, am I going to get kicked out? Am I going to, listen, you got to live for God. I've got rules in my house. Hello. God has rules. Come on, if you love him, you'll obey his word. My kids know clearly you're a part of the, you're over my roof. You're going to live according to my rules. You're not living according to my rules. You get consequences. And they also know that if they weren't to serve God, that I could no longer be a pastor and I could no longer fulfill the call of God in my life. That, that we, they know that. And they know that, that if they were to totally reject the Lord in my home, then that would mean if I can't control and lead my own home, I can no longer control or, or lead the church of God. That's scripture. And I'd have to resign because I would disqualify myself from being a pastor. So they knew that. See, that's a little weighty for kids. Kids need to hear the truth, man. They need to know. They need to know there's consequences. So commitment. Number three. Oh, I should... Well, there's so much here. Let me just say number three, servanthood. Be a servant. Be a servant. Be committed to to using your resources to serve them and help them. I'm in every one of my kids' basketball games that I can make. But sometimes I can't make them. And I was there making a scene all on the Birchwood bleachers last night. (laughs) Coach likes me, though. Hey, Bracken's in the house. I'm like, what's up? (laughs) Here we go, Birchwood. Here we go. I'm like Mr. School Spirit along with a few other people. <laughs> praise God. And I know my son, he's not here, he's upstairs, but I know he's just like, oh, praise God. It's my dad. Well, come on! All right. I had to sign a waiver in a peewee football. And I remember when I signed the waiver, I'm like, what parent can't control themselves on the sideline? Come on. <laughs> then I get to the sign, I'm like, are you blind? Oh, what kind of a... I'm not nearly as bad as Pastor Vinso. You ever been to a basketball game with that guy right there? He puts all new definition to school spirit. And, and it's important. I don't try to make a scene, but I'm passionate about my kid playing ball. Playing ball. I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about what, my, about what my daughter's doing. I'm passionate about my children. 
Listen, invest in your kids. Be a part of the vision that they have for their lives and tell them, I'm, I got your back. I'm and you pray with them and you, you constantly tell them that. If they don't know, come on, you gotta be the number one coach and, and uh, cheerleader. I'm not a cheerleader, as Pastor Karen. But you gotta be the number one coach and cheerleader behind your kids. Can you say amen? amen. No, all of their life. Be affirming. Speak your love. Tell them you love them. Encourage them. Encourage them. It's number four. The affirming principle. Speak words of affirmation, blessing, encouragement related to their strengths and their weaknesses. Be affirming. Tell them how handsome they are. Tell them how pretty she is. Tell them how proud of them you are. Speak life to them. Can you imagine if you had gotten that when you were growing up? It was some of you did. And I'll tell you what, the, the ones of you did are usually walking lives that are much healthier than those of us that didn't get that. I'm going to tell you, there's something about a, a fatherless child or a motherless child. And listen, God can make the difference, please. If you, if you don't have a father because he lost his mind and you let Tarzan go swing around by himself, well, praise the Lord. But you can, find a, you can find a spiritual father here, and you can find those that'll model what it is to be a healthy man or a healthy woman. You know what I, one of the things I love about church? Is even if you didn't have a father, you can come to church and get one. Amen. And the truth is, even if you didn't have a mother, you can come into to the church and get one. You can have somebody to help you, mentor you, encourage you. You know, the women, the, the, the women that are being raised up, the youth that are being raised up, they, they need to be corrected from time to time especially when they leave nothing for, to be um, imagined. The clothes they wear. I better move on. You know, in affirming, you gotta, you'd be gracious and call life out of them. Affection. And I've shared this story before, but uh, be affectionate with your spouse. You say, we're not like that. Mm, change. So no, you don't understand. No, I understand. Change. If your skin crawls, because when you get a hug from your wife or whatever, because you're in front of the kids, oh, get over yourself. Now, you shouldn't do everything in front of the kids, and they should never hear you. Can I just say that? If you don't understand that, praise God. Then you're not supposed to. But if you allow for them just to find you and bust in on you, you're, you're absolutely foolish. That's a great mistake, and you'll scar them, and it'll hurt them. If that's already happened, it happened by accident, well, God will heal them. But, don't, but plan for that not to happen. And that, that was really good. I'm going to get a high five over here. It's really uncomfortable over on this side. Amen. Praise God. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Tap your neighbor and say praise the Lord. <laughs> What's he talking about? I have no idea. What's he talking about? We know you know. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, be fruitful and multiply, but you need to, come on, somebody say hallelujah. I think that righteous families ought to have a lot of kids and Pastor Kirsten said, who? <laughs> All right, what are we talking about? Oh yeah, affection. Be affectionate with your children. Be affectionate with you. Say, well, I'm uncomfortable. And I've shared this story lots of times. I, my father was very affectionate with me. So was my mother. And it was, it was awesome. He's like, he always had his hand around me, arm around my neck. He's always wrestling and just, you know, it was just healthy, that, that aspect of my father and my relationship with him and my mother too. And it's a beautiful thing. I'm thankful for it. As I grew and became a man and Pastor Karen and I, children, had wrestled with him, was very affectionate until Hannah became a woman. And uh, I was, you know, it was kind of freaked me out a little bit. 
And I've shared this because some of you are at this place. And my, my wife says, yeah, you're not, you're not, uh, you're kind of ignoring her and you're kind of wrestling and, and all loving with Daniel, but you're, I said, I know, well, the things have changed. And if you don't understand that, then we'll just put you, you know, it's okay. All right? So things have changed. And she said, no, you need to be affectionate with her. You need to, you need to just treat her just like you did. And, and, and yeah, she's a woman now. And so I forced myself. It was a little odd because she was a woman. Do you understand? All right, maybe that's just me. I don't, I don't know where that came from. Maybe, I was just, maybe I'm just an oddball, but I changed. Guess what? My daughter is secure in her love for me and my love for her. We're very affectionate. And as a result, oh, I should say this. Uh, I think you gave me this word. She said, you know, if you're not affectionate with him, she's going to get that affection from somewhere. So you better, I said, no problem. I'm healed. Amen. Praise God. Come here, baby. Come here, honey. We didn't want to have to go to jail or anything. Fifth principle, calling forth. Prophesy over him. Now, you're not going to hear that in an unspirit, non-spirit-filled church, but you'll hear it here. Prophesy over them. Have, bring them to this prophetic conference. Get, get, get them in that call-out room. Get them in front of one of these prophets to hear the word of the Lord that they can play it over and over and then remind them of it. Remind them of it. Over and over and over. Remind them of the prophetic word. Call forth destiny. Tell them they can do it. Tell them that they're more than up. A, a, a young man needs to hear as they grow up that they're a man. They need to hear that. You can do it. You're a man. You can do it, son. You can do it. I believe in you. And, and you know, as you go through that, and you let them, don't let them win all the time. It's okay to have them fail. I don't mean morally. I mean like stumble or not make it. So you can work harder and then like, you know, get the ball in, make the shot, overcome. You can do it. Build them up. Be somebody that affirms. Can you say amen? Call forth. Call forth destiny and purpose. Training, train them, train them in character, train them in life skills, teach them how to handle their finances. I got like two amens. Teach them to tithe. My son is a part of this Project Zach giving, and my daughter, and of course I am, and my wife as well, he's praying for God to supernaturally bless him so he can give into the project. Wow. Train them. Train them. Can you say amen? amen. We had uh, the process of wood heating a number of years ago. That's all we had. We had two baseboards that were electric, and if you turn those on, you'd be sending my whole paycheck to the MEA. Right. <laughs> you ever tell you ever have electric heat? My God, you're in trouble. You got electric heat, but it'd be like crazy bills for electric heat. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, so we were, the deal was no one touches that those don't exist. There's a wood-burning stove. Here's the, the, the axe. Let's get to work. So my kids were small back then, and we put up eight cords, seven, eight cords, nine cords, I think, one year. And so my son was having a hard time. Oh, a hard time. His kid foolishness had bound up in the heart of the child. He just couldn't quite control himself. He was, he's, little did I know, his sister's probably pinching him behind the scenes. You know, we didn't see any of that. We started hearing all the rest of Oh, this is what really happened, Dad. <laughs> oh, great. Didn't know my angel son wasn't such an angel and was constantly, you know, harassing his sister, and then she would do something. Anyway, children raising. 
So my son couldn't quite control himself, so I'm, I taught him. I said, a man of God is in control of his emotions, and I would make him tell me. Man of God's in control of his emotions. I'm like, that's right. Say it again. Man of God's in control of his emotions. Okay. You a man of God? No. I said, well, you're going to be. <laughs> so I'm going to teach you. You're going to control yourself right now. I said, okay, it's time for training. Now, there's many different ways to train, but this one was really good. And I brought him outside. I think it was 10 degrees. We put his little jacket on, put his little, little gloves on, his little hat, crying. And we said, okay, this giant pile of wood, you move over here. But here's the ticket. As soon as you're in control of your emotions, your job is over. He said, I said, no, I understand. As soon as you're in control of your emotions, you don't have to be outside moving wood anymore. I say, let's go, let's go, come on, yeah, bring him over. Thinking, you know, he could pick up two little sticks, maybe three pieces of wood, and walk it to the porch and stack it and, and, and lose his mind. And I told him, as soon as you're done crying and you're in control of your emotions, you're finished. It's, you're, you'll be done. You can come on inside and everything will be great. So we, I just watched him. He's out there for a little bit, and then I'll never forget. It was probably like three or four trips, and I would yell out, as soon as you're in control, it's all done, and you can come on in. Okay. Close the door, and I'm watching him. Mom's like, is he okay out there? I said, yeah. And it was cold. I don't know if it was 10 below. Or whatever. It was cold. It was Alaska cold. It wasn't like, you know, sissy cold, like Seattle cold. It was like Alaska cold. <laughs> so he's, he's moving the wood, and, and so he, there's a knock on the door. We, we let him out. There's a knock on the door. I open the door. He's like, I said, that's not a real smile. I said, I'm trying. I said, well, you're almost there. Come on. I should have taken a picture. <laughs> he walks off. He does one and a half, two more chimes, and he comes, and he genuinely looks me in the face and says, I got it. I said, awesome. Come on in, son. Didn't take long. It's 10 minutes. Some of you are not willing to do that with your kids. Good parenting will train. And, and I believe in corporal punishment, too. I, I do believe Spare the rod, spoil the child. I don't know, one guy, what a fool. He said, that, the Bible's not true. I did that my whole life. And my son's in jail, and he didn't obey me one time. I spared the rod and spoiled him as much as I could, and he's a total heathen. I'm like, that's not what it says. <laughs> that means use some pressure on the hind seat of his understanding. And never do it in anger. There's a right way to do that. And uh, I should probably move on because there's people that get all freaked out because you've been abused. And, uh, and I, I don't belittle that at all. May God heal you. But you have to learn to train your children. You don't train them, then you too will have a prison ministry. Got to train them spiritually. You got to establish a culture of seeking Jesus. My kids fast. Your kids should fast for you. They should put up the TV, turn away from some of the video games maybe for a season. Gosh, I have so many stories. Kids, you need to train your kids spiritually. I'll just tell this one. You heard it before. I'll tell it quickly. The first church I pastored was in Kula for Dr. James Morocco. And uh, I did that with a team. It grew to about 80 people. And there was this lady, and she was originally from Texas. She had this young uh, boy. She was a single mother. And um, he was, I want to say, five, six, maybe. I think he was five. And uh, she said, my son is a demon. Can you please pray for my son? I said, sure. 
What, some of you guys are laughing. You don't think a five-year-old can have a demon? Oh, I think lots of them do because of stupid parents. Anyway, let's have a praise break. I felt a little uncomfortable for a second. So they said he's got a demon, and uh, I said, well, what makes you think that? And she said, well, he just, he screams, and, and something happens to him, and it's, it's ugly, really bad. I said, well, can I, can, I, can I meet him? So she brings him down. I said, hey, how's it going? He says, good. Pokemon's bad. That's the first thing he says to me. I don't even know what that is. I'm like, oh, yeah? Okay, hey, come with me. And the church had ended, and so I don't know why I did it this way. I just did. I brought him up on the platform. It's just me and him and his mother sitting in the pew. And I picked him up, and I put him on my pulpit. So I'm looking him in the face. I said, well, what do you mean by that? He says, well, Pokemon's really bad. Bad. Really bad. But Digimon, Jesus leaves when Digimon's on. I said, oh, Jesus leaves with Digimon. Well, I'm not sure what that is. But let me pray for you real quick. And I prayed for him. I took authority over the demonic and the darkness and the Jesus leaving and put him down, and he ran off. And I said, hey, Mom, what is, uh, he's, this is what he said to me. He said, uh, Pokemon's bad, but Jesus leaves when I watch Digimon. She goes, yeah, I know, I know. I'm like, what do you mean you know, you know? He's got these videos, and he's got this game, and, like, he has to watch it. And so when he watches it, I said, wait, 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 wait. What do you mean he has to watch it? Well, he has to watch. If he doesn't watch it, that's when this demonic thing happens. I thought. You're raising, you're raising a dictator. You're raising a little hellion dictator. It's all your fault. Now, I was nicer, but I'm just telling you, if your kid, when your kid is born into your family, the baby joins your family. You don't join his or hers. Babies go to church. Babies go to life groups. Babies go to teams. Babies, come on, babies grow up, and then they continue to obey, and you continue to lead them and guide them and direct them. So here he's five years old, she, he's a, he, and she didn't obey. Now, I happen to see the kid 10 years later, all dressed, dressed, gothed out, pierced out, and looked like a warlock. And I'm going to tell you, we're talking serious anger and serious darkness. So I saw the kid, I was like, he's like, what's up? He's like, what's up, man? I'm like, okay, you've got some issues here. Remember me? You know, yeah, I remember you, the pastor, right? I say, yeah. And he was in church, so I just, you know, I didn't feel led to go for it right then. I probably should have because I never saw him again after that. You're responsible for your own children's spiritual upbringing. You're responsible for the way that they eat. Oh, did I step in something right there? You're responsible for their physical exercise. Don't leave the discipleship and training of your child up to a public school teacher that, that, that's into witchcraft and stuff. I mean, I don't know what they're all into. I know there's some great public school teachers. May the Lord bless them. But I know there's a lot of corruption out there too. And if you think that you're not going to be able to raise your kids and train them and send them off and it's all going to be well, you're totally mistaken. So I'm just trying to help you tonight. Amen. Pastor Kirsten told me to preach this. So if you're offended, that's not true. The Lord did. Correction. All right, I, we, we've got to hurry. Honoring family. Something we said, I'd encourage you to say it. Uh, and we got it from a book. Pastor Karen taught me most of what I know regarding parenting. She devoured books and helped me, and I would skim them. She would read them, and we would talk and then apply it. It's the truth. And so uh, honoring family. You speak honoring words over your spouse. Speak honoring words over each other and say things like this. Man, I am so blessed to be a part of this family. You create unity. 
say that. We say that. I still say it. We'll be driving. It'll be this moment. Be like, man, I'm so glad to be a part of this family. I'm a part of it. I am not the family. I happen to be the father. She's a mother. And we've got children that are now becoming adults. I'm so glad that I'm a part of the family I am. I'm so glad I married you. I mean that. I'm not just saying it. I actually mean it. Pastor Karen, you're going to make me blush up here. (laughs) Number eight, two-way communication. Listen to your kids. Listen to your spouse. Amen. Number nine, what what did I miss? Did you get it? All right. Seven, honoring the family. Eight, two-way communication. Nine, invest. Use your money. Use your time, use your prayer, invest in your kids. In other words, get them a ticket to youth camp. There's so many committed to hockey and and all these sports camps and, 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 oh my. And what's that other thing where they spend lots of money on a dresser in high school and pretend like that it's like, oh yeah, that, prom. Pastor Timothy Campo is vehemently against proms. You could talk to him about it. It's Tim Campo at kcalaska.com. And he'll help you see his side. Listen, don't just do things because the culture does it. That's not how we do it. We don't live according to the culture that we're in. Amen. And, uh, you know, I heard a... Um, I heard someone say, you know, if you date, you fornicate. And uh, I don't know if that's far from the truth. I'm, I've got some very strong regulations about that. I really do. I, have, I don't think you, your kids should be involved in a relationship if they're not getting ready to get married. Now, there's others that can argue a great point against that. I'm just telling you what I believe. That's what I believe. You better know what you believe. Don't just let it happen. You know what? If you just let it happen, you'll be a grandparent really early. Invest, take time, invest them, bond with them, work with them. Number 10, understanding. Take time to try to understand. I was horrible at this. I was, and I tried, I needed help. I did, I just didn't get it. And it's because of my background and what I came out of. I came out of a, you know, I was raised right mostly, kind of, without Christ. And then when things just hit the fan, I just rejected all of that and went deep into the belly of the beast And so God delivered me with a strong hand of deliverance. I mean, he set me free, seriously set me free, and I'm a miracle. I I am a miracle. So my kids now being raised in the church and as my children started having challenges where it was hard to be a pastor's kid. First of all, they heard that from somebody and then adopted it. They went off to a some camp that the denomination put together. And from the denomination, they heard, it's really hard to be a pastor's kid. And then when they came back, they heard, it's hard to be a pastor's kid. I thought, hard, I'll show you hard. This ain't hard. Have you, what, what? This is awesome. You you get to go to church. You get three squares plus. You get a bed. We get to love God. I love your mama. We have the Mahaya every day. What are you talking about? Hard. I didn't have my dad. My parents were divorced. I was beat up and wedgied every day on the bus. I had to walk to school a mile in the snow up to my chin. 
You know, and all the stuff that we went through, and then your kids are like, no, it's hard. Listen, it's hard for them. Just because it wasn't your reality, you didn't have to walk to snow, you know, walk to school with snow up to your chin. You spell time, T-I-M-E. You, you, right? If you're tracking with me, just raise your hand and pray in tongues. Ready, set, go. And I, it took me until, honestly, I never got it with Hannah until she was out of the house. I've understood it with Daniel. Because kids will say stuff like this. Oh, they'll say, oh, I got in trouble. You know, kids have fellowship, and they all want to belong. So they'll be like, you know, I, I got in trouble, she would say. And somebody would say, oh, what? You didn't read your Bible, you little goody two-shoes? You know, kids are mean. So when your kids are sharing something with you, try to understand and have compassion and pray for them and protect. I should say also, you pick all of your kids' friends. I picked every one of my kids' friends. I don't pick them all now for Hannah. And Danny, he's, you know, he's almost out. You know, we maybe picked 50%. I'm more of a you know, guidance counselor now with a lot of authority. And the idea is you raise your kids, you know, from zero to to five, I mean, you're making all their decisions. You know, five to 12, you're making maybe, what, 80%, nine, maybe, maybe 75. As they get older, you're tapering off. Hello. So when they become, you know, 20, 21, 22, how many of you know, if you're trying to control your 22-year-old, you have some serious control problems. They're not, they're an adult. It's like nursing until they're 15 years old. Have you ever seen that? And that's the way it is because, because, because parenting, they don't be like, hey, mom, I'm hungry. I'm like, hold on a second, son. Understand the spiritual principle. Now, I'm told in Europe and, and, and Brazil and some places, and they say even doctors, a year. Okay, but if there's a three-year-old that's still four years old. <laughs> the children are leaving. We're really going to get after it now. So sorry, Pastor Christian. If you have to break that defilement off of them after you get home, I understand. Which leads me to a point. Break defilement off your kids every day, every night. Pray a prayer. I take authority over darkness. I break defilement. Have an open relationship with them. Teach them. Nobody's supposed to touch them. When are we doing that parenting toolbox? In March? Bodyguard? Okay, it's called parenting body toolbox guard something. I don't know what it's called. Listen, we we have a class this, this is sort of a, maybe a precursor, an intro. He teaches it with his wife, and I participate with my wife as, as well. Many, many people don't know how to raise a godly child or how to, have, how, to, how, to, how to teach them bodyguard. You know, as they become teenagers, their bodies change. Things happen. You know, the birds and the bees and all of that. I thank God for our church is not afraid of discussing and talking about every single issue in life because if you don't do that, who's going to teach your kids about sexuality? 
Who's going to teach them about sexuality? You're going to have some Mahuian philosophy of, uh, and if you didn't get that, by some purpose, you're going to have some (laughs) philosophy of, God, what's that? Hawaiian kind of, you know what Spanglish is? Spanglish? That's, that's, what would you call that? Hawaiianish or something? It's like Hawaiian and English. People that have a philosophy that's totally perverted, my wife's like. If a philosophy is totally perverted, you want them to teach your kids? Well, can you just give me five more minutes and I'm done? I know it's a little, it's more of a Sunday night service, but in the middle of the week. So, uh, my son was 12, I think, and he had lived a life of, of course, purity, of protected him, amen. He, he hadn't heard any of this. When I was 12, I think I knew everything by the time I was 12, and I was defiled, Horribly by the time I was 12. So here's my son growing up in my house, and he's, he's pure and doesn't, doesn't really know about any of that. So we figured, man, he's getting of age. Hannah, Hannah, Hannah at 10, 10 years old, nine, nine, nine years old. Nine years old is too young to tell your kids about the birds and the bees. Does everybody understand that? It's too young, nine. However, Hannah did some cross-referencing through an encyclopedia and a number of other books. And so we're driving home, and she says, Dad, I know how babies are made. I'm just like, oh, that's nice. We keep driving. She brings it up again the following day. And when she did, I, I heard her. Now it's two times. And I thought, well, what are you talking about? She goes, I know. I just, I just want to tell you that I know now. I said, you know, you're nine. She goes, yeah, I know. How did you find that out? She goes, well, I, I learned. I said, okay, to the room. We would always go to the master bedroom. Those were the heavy talks with mom and dad. Let's go to, let's go to, the, room. Let's go to the room. So I, she sits down. I go, okay, so tell me. She goes, well, I, that's kind of weird. I don't really want to tell you. I, I said, okay. She goes, but, but I'll show you. I said, all right. So she runs out of the room. She comes back with a stack of books. She goes, well, I was reading this book. It's this My Body book that mommy gave me. And so I read it, and I saw this thing, and I saw this right here. I'm like, yeah. She goes, I didn't know what that word meant. So I took this book and I looked it up in this book and I saw this book and it talked about these other body parts right here. And so I looked that up over here and I saw the whole thing and I see how babies are made. And I went, oh my God. Who are you? Like, who does that? And so I was just like, I mean, I tried to like stay calm. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I said, oh, do you have any questions? She goes, no, I don't, I don't have any. I said, okay, that's good. No questions. Um, I said, are you okay? She goes, it's really weird, Dad. I said, yeah, it's weird. Okay, great. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> Daniel didn't do that. So he comes. All right. I don't know how old he was, but he was time. If you want to find out the details, Karen's email is. <laughs> so I took him on a hunting trip. We had chickens at the time. How many of you know that people that grow up on farms know more than people that don't? So, we had these two roosters. I've got three more minutes, Pastor Karen. We had these two roosters, and one was a mutant. 
it was something biologically wrong with it. He couldn't leave the hens alone, ever. We had a drive that was beyond normal rooster drive, which is saying something. I don't know if it was, I don't know. It was a, you know, a warped DNA or generational iniquity or something. I don't know what it was. So this, this rooster was like ridiculous. Like it was hurting the birds and it was, you know, we had to deal with them. And so we called the Nantes as they came and uh, they took the rooster home. And uh, I'll never forget you sending me a picture. I told you the problem we had with the rooster. We gave the rooster to you guys. And they, uh, mom, you know, dealt with the rooster and they cooked it up and ate him. And they said, well, we have never seen a rooster like that. That's what they said. There's this little picture like this. If you don't know what that means, put that with the other file of stuff that you don't understand. So, <laughs> I've got two minutes. Keys. <laughs> Bring the keys. Come on. Come on. <laughs> so we're out there hunting, Daniel and I, for rabbits. And we're at Glen Allen area or something with someone from the church. And uh, we get a moment by ourselves. And so I said, uh, Daniel, and there we are with shotguns. <laughs> I got to talk to you about some stuff. All right, Dad, is everything okay? Yeah, everything's okay. I got to talk to you about, you know, the birds and the bees. The what? Well, all right. And so I'm not going to tell the whole, bring it through the whole conversation, but I, in detail, told him about all of that. And he's like, whoa, huh, hmm, yeah. And I see the wheels turning. Huh. All right. So it's kind of like the rooster. I said, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I said, kinda, but that rooster was perverted, so it's not like that rooster, that one's dead, but uh, kinda. He's like, okay, yeah, wow, that's weird. I'm like, yeah, let's, uh, let's look for some rabbits, amen? <laughs> learn to be a good parent. Learn, learn, you have to learn. It doesn't just happen. When we all try to take the best parts of our father, or the best parts of our mother, if we had them, and then we try to bring that into our family. But I've got news for you. Most of our fathers and mothers, now there are exceptions. Most of our fathers and mothers really didn't hardly know what they were doing. i got to finish. Eleven, follow through. Did you get ten? Understanding. Under, take time to understand them. Eleven, follow through. Keep your word. You say you're going to play ball, you better play ball and put somebody else on ice and follow through on what you said. If you gave your word, follow through on it. Keep your word at all costs. And when you blow it, repent. If you haven't ever repented to your children, you're not doing a very good job. You should go home and repent to them tonight. You need to repent. Like a lifestyle of repentance. Celebrate, celebrate them, rejoice with them. Celebrate the fact that they're alive. Tell them that. Tell them, use your words, use your actions. 12 principles. So that the earth isn't stricken with a curse from Malachi 4. 12 principles. How good a father are you? How good a mother are you? Uh, we can bind and loose 
But if you don't, if you're not, if you're not healthy in your relationships with your wife, your spouse, and your marriage, so she, you do not have healthy marriage. Well, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. Who knows? Who knew how to have a happy marriage? I didn't know. I'm still learning. I feel like Captain Kirk on the Star Trek Enterprise, going where no man has gone before. learning the amazing universe of my wife. <laughs> Learn to have a healthy marriage. How many of you know you could tithe, you could give, you could pray, you could bind, you could lose, and if you lose your family, then you're worse than an unbeliever, worse than an infidel if you don't provide for your family. That's not talking about giving them peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It's talking about being a man of God. It's talking about being a real healthy mother, about having healthy marriages. And if you're a single person, you believe God to make the difference. And listen, you can, you can get remarried to a great man or a great woman of God. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. I know a few if you're looking for them. If you're looking for one of you, I'll, I'll try to help you. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Find me a find. Catch me a catch, matchmaker, matchmaker. Okay, anyway, that's it. Father, thank you. My time is up. Well, the power of your spirit, the truth of your word, and for a rubber meeting the road message like this. The power of the Holy Ghost would burn this message into the hearts of men and women that we would be a people who rightly raise our children, who have healthy relationships. We don't want to disgrace you. As we heard from Minister Rosie about having a broken place with her father, and as a result, she couldn't relate to you as, as her heavenly father. We don't want to be that. We don't want to model that. We want to model you, God, in our relationships. And the Lord shows me that there is a great home. <laughs> a great home coming. If you have children that you're separated from, Maybe there's been division or misunderstanding online and here under the sound of my voice listening in the future. You're separated from your kids. You maybe don't talk anymore. There's rift. There's a problem. And you're believing for that to be healed. Stand up on your feet all across this place. Ah. It is God's will. It is God's will to heal that relationship. It is the will of the Lord to heal and bring restoration. And so now I declare and prophesy that one of the things that will mark 2020 is a great homecoming for wayward children and for parents, sons and daughters, mothers and fathers that, that have been separated, grandparents that have been separated from their children, from their grandchildren, from great-grandchildren. I'll take authority over a spirit of division. I command you to shut your mouth. I'll break the hold of pain and circumstantial things that happened in the past. I pray healing now. 
healing now. And I call them home. They're coming to their senses. Fathers are going to repent. Mothers are going to repent. Listen, if you, if you need to apologize, do it. And do it like in the next 24 hours. Repent. Repent for stuff you didn't even know maybe you did. Call them or text them and say, I'm sorry. And they'll say, for what? You didn't do anything. Why? Well, I, I could have been better. You could have been more like Jesus, and you know you could have. So repent. And ask God to forgive you and ask them to forgive you. Open the door. Doors are opening of opportunities for complete healing. In fact, the Lord says, I'm not only going to do that, I'm going to heal your whole family tree. Yes, Lord. You know, years ago, I heard the Lord just tell me something. I've been asking him to just lead me in some series to help equip you and Years ago, there was a series of messages preached called Healing Your Family Tree. And I heard the Lord tell me, teach people how to heal their families, how to heal their family tree. So I'm going to. First message in a series, probably end up doing it on Sunday nights. Because the Lord's will for you is to be healed and whole. Can you say amen? And for all of your children, for there to be peace and blessing of God. Amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.